fellow Hi. moviegoers, and welcome to the very first episode, kind of, of the um the Films and Stuff podcast. Um, I am one of your hosts, Owen. And I'm the other Isaiah. Yeah, so if you didn't know, this podcast has been through like 87 iterations with a bunch of different hosts, and we're finally getting it off the ground with our inaugural episode in January of 2022, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured we could just introduce ourselves, explain, like, our general taste in films, and how we feel about, like, just the film industry and stuff. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'm Isaiah. Um, I like a lot of different films. My favorite is The Graduate, um, and I'm very into French New Wave right now. In terms of how I feel about the film industry, um, I think it's pretty fucked up in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, studios really just caring about profits and not actual artistic integrity. Um, but I think there are some emerging studios like A24 that are kind of bringing back that feel from the 70s with the kind of American new wave Um which is cool, but still pretty fucked up industry. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Owen. Uh, my favorite film is Wally. Um, my taste is generally just whatever. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to the films I like. I just kind of like them. I kind of skipped over my phase where I watched classic movies and like jumped straight into pretentious, pretentious art house bullshit. So like. There's a lot of really classic, influential films that I just haven't seen for whatever reason, like The Godfather, Apocalypse Now, like... Oh, you all... gotta see them, man. Yeah, I haven't seen The Shining, I haven't seen, like... There's so many classic films that I just never saw because I, I just leapfrogged over that phase of watching classic movies and went straight into, like, artsy, in, like, experimental stuff. Um, as for my thoughts on the film industry, I, like... I mean... <laughs> It's not great what's going on now with all the remakes and sequels and franchises, but, like, every once in a while you get something really good out of those, and it's honestly providing a new way for, like, lesser-known filmmakers to get a larger budget and kind of experiment a little bit. Mm -hmm. Again, there is kind of that formula thing, which I don't love, but there's definitely, like, I don't like the way the film industry is, but there's definitely a lot of ways that, like, I could see myself working within it. Yeah. Now, I have a question. Do you have any films that you would consider, like, your awakenings to film yes, as an I, art? Yes, I do. Um, this is gonna sound, like, really incel but Scott Pilgrim. Mm. In what that way? and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic mm -hmm. Mr. Fox I saw when I was, like, seven, and I didn't know what it was, but I was like, this is different from other movies. Mm -hmm. And now I know it's because, like, it's, it's Wes Anderson, and he's... He's Wes Anderson, and, like, his films are yeah. just that distinct. But when I was, like, seven, I was like, something about this is different. Mm -hmm. How about you? What were your, like, film awakenings? Well, for me, there are two. Um, when I was very little, maybe five or six, my dad came home from the video rental place that used to be near us um, with Vertigo, which was a film that he had watched all the time when he was little. And he showed it to me, and with that... That was, like, I always liked movies, but that was the first one where it, like, wasn't an actor that was making me go, wow. Like, Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak are great, of course, but that was one, they weren't the reason I became so terrified at that film. Um, and then the other one, 
was later, maybe I was 11 or 12, and I saw Moonrise Kingdom, so another Wes Anderson. Yeah. And that kind of um, was my awakening for what a film could be just visually. Um, Definitely. Because, I mean, I mean, Vertigo has incredible visuals too, but um, I think what it was with Moonrise Kingdom, even though now I 100, I 100% prefer Vertigo, but then it was like, because I had seen Fantastic Mr. Fox as well, but this was the first time I had seen a, move, a Wes Anderson movie where my dad was like, this is Wes Anderson. This is his style. Watch. And yeah. so I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, you can do that. You can do that with visuals in a film. Um, and that hit me really hard. And pretty much since then, I've wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah, I think it's interesting that both of us have Wes Anderson films on there just because his style is so apparent i guess like a kind like you can't watch a wes anderson film without knowing it's a wes anderson film like, yeah and it's it's interesting with him because for a long time he was one of my favorite filmmakers um and i thought he was one of the best and now he's still one of my favorites i don't necessarily think he's one of the best anymore what i think it is with him is he has an incredible style and i respect it so much and i still love most of his movies but story-wise and character-wise, I don't think he can really beat people like Scorsese and Kubrick and Hitchcock. Um, so I don't necessarily think he's one of the best anymore, but I still love him. And his films I still enjoy so much and I think are so beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I think his films are just really fun to look at and even to listen to because the way he directs his actors... There's, like, this rhythmic pattern to their dialogue and the way they deliver their lines, and it's just very, like, not soothing, because, like, I never feel like I'm going to fall asleep during a Wes Anderson movie, but it's very, like, it, like, puts you at ease. It's very welcoming. Yeah. And, I, I mean, mean... My my yes. biggest issue with his style is that a lot of the times, like, I feel like there just isn't enough energy. I like films that have a lot of, sort of, like, movement to them, a lot of, like, not action particularly, but just sort of this, like forward motion to them which is part of the reason yeah, why i like edgar wright so much but um that's yeah, like I mean, my something issue. Him, the, my my main issue i think he is a very indulgent writer and i think i think his his early films he always had a co-writer and i think that really worked better um because it kind of balanced him out and now lately he's been writing his stuff on his own and it's not like bad writing it's just very indulgent so i think he should go back I mean, honestly, what I think is his first three films he co-wrote with Owen Wilson, who he went to film school with. Mm -hmm. And I think writing-wise, those are definitely his best. And Owen Wilson has not written a single film since those three. So I think they should collaborate again because I really think he does need a co-writer to balance him out and, not, like, anchor him so he doesn't go too far. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, speaking of his earlier films, I've seen Rushmore, which we were going to do for, like, an earlier iteration of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I remember saying that I think the style works against the film, and I never got to elaborate because I thought I was going to do that in the episode, but I figured, since we're talking about Wes Anderson, now, now could be the perfect time. Mm -hmm. What I meant by that was, Wes Anderson's style makes everyone, at least to me, seem like an old person. Like, mm -hmm. regardless of what age they're supposed to be, everyone feels like they're in their 40s to me. Yeah. Sorry to all you 40-year-olds listening. You're not <laughs> old. You're you're lovely. You're all great. Um, don't have a midlife crisis. But, like, everyone in his films just feels mature. And that's kind of well, why... I think that's very... 
I have, uh, I read some stuff about the making of that film in particular. Um, first off, I will say, to me, his style feels much less developed at that point because it was only his second film. So you still do see hints of it, but it's not like Grand Budapest level. You know what yeah, I mean? No, it's um, definitely. At like least in terms of visuals. But um, I think that is an interesting point about everyone acting mature because something that I've noticed that he does a lot and that I read about in this interview is he often has adults behaving like kids and kids behaving like adults and i think he said a lot of it was rooted in reading like the charlie brown comics when he was a kid um mm -hmm. and so he alludes to those a lot i think even in that one he has like he has max wear the winter hat that charlie brown wears in the comics Interesting. um which i think is a big thing in moonrise kingdom as well um definitely but then and in both of those, you have, like, Bill Murray acting like an irresponsible little kid. Yeah. Um, but then it's interesting because the children are supposed to be more mature and are acting more mature, but they're still children, and there's still that angst. Um, so it, it is definitely hard to balance. I agree. Yeah, I think that's... Especially in, in Rushmore, there's a lot of angst, um, definitely, with him yeah, trying to get a, with... It's uh, a very angsty movie. Yeah. Um... So yeah, do you want to go into like films we saw from 2021, like either ones that were like outstanding in terms of being good or outstanding in terms of being just dog shit? Like, yeah, um, I think the first film I saw from 2021 was probably Inside. Um, yes, um, I also saw that. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, here's the thing: I was not a fan of every single song, but as a cohesive piece, it was kind of. It was almost perfect, I would say, because it's just about the mindset of being in this pandemic. Yeah, it's very, and like, it's timely. being depressed, but also getting a chance because there's nothing to do, just honing your craft. And that was yeah. something I could kind of relate to. At the height of the pandemic, yeah. I was writing a bunch. Um, but also, I was so done. I was so sad. I was, you know, um, so that was a movie that I could just relate to a lot. No, definitely. I think that's case for a lot of people what i'm interested to see if is is if it holds up once we're yeah that's permitting once we're out of this pandemic like once the world has gone back to quote-unquote normal to see if the film still holds up or if it's just kind of like well everyone was in this space and so it kind of affected them in that way but now that we're out of it is it still that good mm -hmm. yeah i mean it'll be definitely interesting um and, you know, we'll, we just won't know until we get there, and we don't know when we're going to get there, um, which is so. fucked up in its own. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm just looking through my ranking of the other films I saw from this year, starting at the yeah, bottom. I'm trying to think of what else I saw. I saw, um, um, well, I saw the new Spider-Man. I which, saw that, too. Um, I, I thought it was delightful. I thought, okay, I liked it. I thought it was very overrated and i still honestly i know you don't like the raimi trilogy i think yeah. spider-man one Ra uh, the raimi one is still the best spider-man movie ever and i, mean, I think spider-man Spider 2 and i think okay spider-verse spider-verse i agree actually spider-verse i just kind of think of as a whole different thing because spider-verse spider it's, it's like, so much more than a spider-man movie yeah, you know it it's that's like the best i don't even i don't even put that in the same category so what i should say is okay best live action spider-man movie yeah. i think is still spider-man one and then after that i would say spider-man two 
And then I would say, then there would be no way home. Mm. But I, I, I had a lot of issues with it, and I don't know if we want to go into these because I don't know if we want to do spoilers um, I mean, or not. I'd say do spoilers for most movies, but considering that like a lot of people still yeah, haven't okay. seen this one, it's just being so hyped up. I'd say maybe hold off if any of your issues yeah, are spoiler related. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, there's not a lot I can go into then. Um, All I'm gonna say one. is when that one guy showed up in the beginning, you you know who I'm talking about, the guy, my boy. When he showed up, my theater went nuts, and I was completely there for oh. it. Yeah. I mean, it was a good theater experience, but to me, it was like a fun popcorn movie, and that was about it. And I could think of quite a few Marvel movies that I thought were, like, better. Yeah, um, I don't know. I was sobbing through, like, the last 15 minutes of that movie just uncontrollably. Yeah, well, I will say, and this I'll say without spoilers, but I I think that movie, The Sad Stuff would have a lot of weight for me if it wasn't in the fucking mcu but true with the mcu with like endgame they just undo this huge thing and now nothing in the mcu really has weight for me it's like oh they can just undo it with magic or something and that's i don't know that's not an issue with the individual movie but it was still like part of my viewing experience you know funny you should mention that because that's actually my big issue with another mcu movie that came out this year which was eternals did you see that I did not. I loved it, but my biggest issue was the ending being part of the MCU, because Eternals isn't as big. Can I spoil it for you? Like, do you care? Yeah, sure. No, I don't. Okay, so, like, at the end of the film, this, like, so there are these, like, giant space gods called Celestials, and they can, like, blow up planets and stuff, you know, basic Marvel stuff. And this one, Arashem the Conqueror, shows up, and he goes to the Eternals, and he's like, hey, I'm going to look through your memories, and I'm going to judge whether or not earth deserves to survive and then he just kind of dips like he just leaves and Mm -hmm. it like leaves you on this question of like well what does he think does humanity deserve to continue and if it wasn't part of the mcu that would be a really interesting ending that's like you know thought-provoking and like i mean that's the big one of my biggest issues with the mcu in general is it's just everything is so tied in well, no, to everything it, else. because it exists as part of a larger universe, you know that the answer to the question is, yes, humanity does con- deserve to continue going. I no, but also just... If even it was if like that a standalone wasn't... film, you'd get a really nice ambiguous ending that, like, has weight to it. Yeah, but I would say, I think that's that's an issue with the whole MCU, is everything is too tied in to everything yeah. else. Because at this point, it's like a huge TV show that consists of, like, 50, I don't know, however many movies. And then it's like, oh... Uh, you need to watch WandaVision to understand the next phase of the MCU. Don't have Disney Plus? Who gives a fuck? Let's still... You j- guess you won't get it. It's like, I don't know. Um, also, now they're doing stuff like Morbius, which I guess is in the Spider-Man universe, and like Venom. And it's like, I don't really want to watch, want to have to watch that shit to understand the Spider-Man movie, you know? Yeah. And now they're bringing um, in the Netflix stuff too, which I mean... Which doesn't... Well, that was also my big one of my big issues with Spider-Man No Way Home. The uh, Matt Murdock cameo. Yeah, that's the guy who I was talking about before. Um, my boy, my sweet Matthew. Oh, yeah. Sorry if that's a spoiler. He doesn't Spoilers. really contribute to the plot. Um, yeah. I don't know. I It felt... He was in it for such a short amount of time and did like nothing that it felt to me like Marvel just going, Oh, look who's in, look who's in the universe now. Bye. You know? Um, no, I, I agree. It was also, I'm not a huge Marvel like, fan. I'm not I, a huge Marvel fan at all. 
I am a goblin, and Matt Murdock is my favorite Marvel character. I was him for Comic-Con, I was him for Halloween, like, mm-hmm. I understand he contributed nothing to the plot, but my little lizard brain was like, ooh, it's that guy I like. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know what else I saw that was this year? Don't Look Up. Oh, boy. I did not like. That was a movie. Did you see it? I, regrettably. Here's Here's the thing. The social commentary was so, so on the nose. So on the nose. And then it's like, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, we get the social commentary, and then there's still an hour left of the movie. Exactly. It, it just runs on way too long, and it's the fucking director of Step Brothers. Like, yeah. really? Like, just give us Step Brothers 2 or some stupid comedy again. Like, just stop trying to take yourself so seriously. The only thing I've seen um, of Adam McKay's that I've liked is the pilot of Succession. I haven't seen Succession. Okay, that was either Did a you not like Step Brothers? backfiring. <laughs> Did you not like Step Brothers? I haven't seen it. Oh, that's okay. He's good at making like stupid comedies. Step Brothers is like one of the funniest movies of all time, in my opinion. But it's not like a serious film. It's just like Will Ferrell and John C. Riley being stupid, and it's enjoyable, you know. What? Sorry, I thought someone was coming. I had to like. Oh no, you're good. Okay, but yeah, I did not like. Don't look up. It was just. Yeah, it wasn't good. And I like, feel like if it was more serious or more funny, it could have worked. It was not a good balance, yeah. Like, you either have to go full into the zany antics of everyone being an idiot, or, like, really focusing on the weight of what's happening, and it didn't do either. It just kind of... It did the worst parts of both of the two options. Yeah. As for a film that really sucked, um, Dear Evan Hansen. Oh boy. I didn't see it. Don't. Yeah. Please don't. That's what I hear. yourself. It is genuinely the worst film I've ever seen. Because, <laughs> like, here's the thing. There are other movies, like Cats and stuff. I don't consider <laughs> those to be bad movies, because those are fun. I enjoy those movies. You like Cats? I love that movie. It is so entertaining. Okay. But, like, Dear Evan Hansen doesn't have any entertainment value to it. It is just offensive really? and boring. Yeah, I don't- I have- I had no interest, because I don't like the musical, honestly. Oh um, my god, this takes the musical's flaws and dials them up to 11. Yeah, I'm not- I wasn't interested. Yeah, um, um, you know what else is another one I saw that a lot of people really liked and I didn't? What? No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. I- the only reason I wanted to see that was because I got the ending spoiled. Yeah, here's- here's the thing. Ana de Armas was in it for about 15 minutes, and she was the best. Ana de Armas is awesome. Yes, she um, is. Also, Jeffrey Wright was really good in it. Yes. Um, and then, I don't know, I, I don't know if we want to spoil this ending again or not. Um, well, I'm just going to say, I'm not a James Bond fan, but, like, when I heard about the ending, I was like, oh, shit, I kind of need to see this now. Yeah, I'm just going to spoil it. Everyone, there's spoilers for James Bond. Here's the thing. He dies. Which yeah. is interesting because this is a series that has been going since the 60s. And the whole genius, I don't know, being in this studio-run industry that only cares about money, it was kind of genius because they're like, okay, he's not, we're never going to have him die, so he can just keep coming back just with different actors. And that's had its ups and downs. Um, I like, I don't know, there are really only two that I've seen and liked, two actors, and those are Sean Connery and Daniel Craig. Um, Mm -hmm. But the issue is... With this one, yeah, he dies. 
And that should have weight. Because it's like, oh, wow, this series is done. And then it wasn't. Because then we hear, uh, this studio is looking for a new actor to play James Bond. Right. Yeah, that's so that's fucking stupid. If if they kept going, what I would want them to do is a series on that other 007, the other agent who got his uh, number. I think that would be much more interesting. I think she was actually another really good actor. Um, I know who you're talking about. I'm blanking and maybe this... I know who she is. Um... No, yeah, I I don't know her name either, but I, she's been in some other stuff. But also, like maybe the Bond thing has run its course. You know, it's been going for. I think the first one was like 62 or something. Yeah. Um, it's it's enough already. Um, which so I don't know. Um. Oh, I just remembered. There was one moment of genuine joy that I had while watching Dear Evan Hansen. What? Um, so it's when he's, like, confessing to the family that he, like, you know, lied about being their dead son's best friend so he could screw their daughter thing, and it's in this, like, power ballad, and he's, like, singing to them, and his face is all red, he looks like he's gonna have an aneurysm, the veins are, like, bulging out of his forehead, he's, like, sweating and crying and shitting himself. And he's, like, just singing so hard, and then it cuts to the family, and they're all just staring at him, like, sir, this is a Wendy's. Like, they just have that look on their face of, like, what are you doing, yeah, child? I laughed so hard. But mm-hmm. other than that, the movie was awful, and I hate it. Don't watch it. I won't, yeah. I'm trying just to think watch the TikTok I, I made about that scene. Okay. I think I saw, um, oh, I saw the French Dispatch, the new Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, which that was, was uh, mid. I was really looking forward to that, because it was supposed to come out so long ago, and I was hyped because I love him. Um... I was not a fan. What I think the visuals were incredible, and that was kind of it. Because um, the issue I had was it was an anthology film where it was like all these different stories from a magazine. And I sometimes enjoy anthology films, but this one was trying to cram too much into every story, so then none of them felt developed enough. And so I wish he had just picked one of those stories. For me, my main issue was that it, it was just like, it was a bit too Wes Anderson-y, like, we've Wes yeah, and Anderson... And it felt really long close. to me. Yeah, we've Wes it's Anderson probably... too close to the sun, like... There's... And that's no co-writer. That's what happens when there's no co-writer. Exactly, he's... it's just very yeah. indulgent. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's probably the most common issue for auteurs. Um, yeah. Some of, a bunch of my favorite directors, they get indulgent. Um, but... I mean, it was just so much on this one, and I don't know, a lot of people loved it. My second least favorite Wes Anderson, one of the two Wes Anderson movies that I dislike. Speaking of people getting too indulgent, did you see Zack Snyder's Justice League? No, I'm not. I don't watch a bunch of superhero movies, honestly. Well, I am a DC nerd, so I was gonna watch it. I had a four-hour plan ride over the summer when it came out, so I was like, what else am I gonna do? I watched mm-hmm. it on my fucking telephone, as David Lynch would say. Um, it's fine. It's really long. It's like four and a half hours. Yeah, it's that's fine. Fun. Um, <laughs> there were some scenes that I really, really liked. Um, all of the Flash stuff was incredible. Maybe I'm biased because he's my favorite superhero, but I was like, this is the good shit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's other stuff in it that just does not work, like bringing back Jared Leto to play the Joker and stuff, and like... 
again, it's four and a half fucking hours of Zack Snyder. Like, we can only take so much Zack Snyder in our lives. Yeah. But when it works, it really, really works. One thing I really hated, though, was how they did Superman's arc. Like, his whole arc in the film is supposed to be about, like, learning to be a symbol of hope and, like, regaining that sort of identity that he has in the comics where he's, like, you know, a decent person instead of an angsty emo boy who snaps people's necks when he gets cranky. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he's on that trajectory for, like, 90% of the film. And at the end, he just puts on a black emo suit, like, from fucking Spider-Man 3 and stomps a guy's head in. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna lie. I very much enjoy Spider-Man 3. Oh, I love that movie. It's great. Wait, you dislike Spider-Man 1, but you like Spider-Man 3? It's so campy. All of those movies are campy. Yeah, but, like, Spider-Man 3 is, like, it gets that it's campy. All of them do. Okay, wait. Do you like Spider-Man 2? Yes, that movie is the good shit. But you don't like Spider-Man 1, really? Yeah, I just don't. I don't vibe with it. I don't know what it is. Okay, that's fair. You know, everyone's got different whatever. Yeah. Um, um, did you see the beta yeah. test? I have not yet. I, I, um, I respect Jim Cummings so much more as a filmmaker now because, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't have the confidence to even act in my own short films, let alone have, my, have a full dick shot in my short films. Mm -hmm. Like, he just full-on has his dick in one of the scenes, and I'm like, I yeah, respect you for that. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else I've seen. I'm going to see Licorice Pizza, I think, tomorrow. Oh, nice. Which I'm interested in. Um, there will be discourse about that. What? Yeah. There is discourse um, about that movie. Mm hmm I know. I've heard a lot of different stuff. It is apparently problematic. With, like, what fucking, I, like star emojis around it. What I heard was that people think it's pedophilic because it's a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old. But I've heard uh, Paul Thomas Anderson say, yeah, but it's not being portrayed as good. It's, like, right. just shown as something that happens. Right. So um, I'm interested yeah, I mean, I like Paul Thomas Anderson, and I like that the actors in it actually look like real people instead of fucking Barbie dolls. Like, like they're allowed to yeah. have, like, acne and be kind of, like, out of shape and just sort of just look like real people, mm -hmm. which I really like. I think that's an important thing to do in movies. Mm -hmm. um, and it just looks like a fun movie. Again, if it ends up being wildly problematic, I will gladly eat my words once I see it, but, like... I mean, the trailer looked incredible. It does. I'm going to be honest. Um, and I like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of good music. I mean, the song in the trailer, I love Bowie. I, I mean, who doesn't? I, I mean, I hate the fact that he's a pedophile, but love his music. Uh, um, and I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited. And, you know, we'll see if I, the last movie I was really excited for was probably The French Dispatch. And that didn't end up, well, no, I was excited for Spider-Man, but. I don't know. We'll just see. Hopefully this ends up being more rewarding. Um, Teton. Did you see that one? <laughs> no, I did not. I didn't see a bunch of movies that did were new. Did you hear about Teton? Not really. It is about a serial killer who fucks a car, gets pregnant with a half-car, half-human baby, and then pretends to be a missing child so that she can Yeah, I don't want to see that. Yeah, that sounds stupid as fuck. No offense, if you liked it. Um... I don't want to watch that. What it's I did amazing. this year was watched. I watched a, a bunch of old movies. Nice. I watched so many. 
um last christmas i got this hitchcock box set so pretty oh, much shit, starting nice. at the beginning of 2021 i watched so many hitchcock movies i also watched all of the basil rathbone sherlock holmes movies i watched like so many classic movies you can't see this but i'm um, nodding yeah for all you listeners at home i will be describing my actions from now on because you guys can't see either yeah um and it was just that is the the one good thing i would say about this pandemic is i've had a chance to explore cinema much more both in watching more movies reading about film and doing my own stuff you know same like that's Um, honestly i wasn't super into film until the pandemic where i was like this my shit yeah yeah i mean Um, there's just so much time that you can just do it honestly though 2021 was such a good year for movies in part because the pandemic like backloaded all of the movies that were going to be in 2021 into 20 sorry that were going to be in 2020 into 2021 so you mm-hmm. just got like basically two years worth of movies and you just got the really good shit mm-hmm. like i had five five out of fives that year which like never happens oh, wow. um we had the suicide squad which is my favorite of the year that movie is beautiful and just amazing like i didn't think i could love a movie that much um last mm-hmm. night in soho which is my trash like it's flawed as hell but like I can't remember the last time I had that much fun watching a movie. The Green mm-hmm. Knight, which I would definitely want to talk about on its own episode just because it is so fucking good. Mitchell's vs. Yeah. Machines, which is basically my autobiography. It's about a gay oh, film yeah. trying to escape their annoying family. That movie, I I don't know if it counts as... I, I started it, and then I had to go. I don't remember why. I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it. I had to go do something. I mean, uh, I just related to it on. But I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed what I saw of that. Yeah, and I, I definitely finish recommend it. finishing it. But like, I just relate to the main character so much, being a queer film yeah. nerd who just want, who hates their family and wants to leave. Like, mm-hmm. it. Um, and then also, I gave Spider Man a five out of five because it did the fan service good and it made me feel the happy things. Yeah. Like now, honestly, have you seen? Have you seen The Graduate? I forget. I think we've talked about this, but I forget. Um, I'm going to. I saw that they added it to Amazon Prime, so it's been on my list. Yeah, you need to. I honestly believe that is the perfect film. Wow. And I want to talk with you about it. Yeah, we should definitely do that for one episode. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I saw this year that was outstanding for being either good or bad. Spencer, that was really good Kristen stewart needs an oscar now um give her the oscars mm-hmm. and canto was good the song just slapped that was only one miranda right the music uh yeah cruella okay. was pure camp and i loved it mm-hmm. like cruella is trashy in the best way possible and it was just so fun mm-hmm. like there's literally a scene where she wears a dress made out of garbage yeah that's fun yeah um kind of sounds like it's ripping off zoolander but still no i'm kidding Um, no it's really it's the devil it's like you know the relationship between mean girls and heathers where it's like the same plot but one is more murdery uh yeah yeah this is like the devil wears prada but more murdery nice it's so fun i loved it um also her i'm gonna be honest the reason she hates dogs is because dogs ninja kicked her mom off a cliff oh yeah that's fun I heard yeah. about that. I mean, here's it's the thing. It's so funny. Honestly, 
and this probably is i have no idea well okay emma stone annoys me and i think it's i i I can't stand her oh and i think it's because the first movie i saw of hers was la la land which i hated i know a lot of people love that that was one where people either loved it or hated it and i I am in the middle on it i'm like it's fine i guess damn it um and so that was my first exposure to her and it was really annoying um also i really hate the amazing spider-man series i think that's by far the worst iteration of spider-man so that's another even though she's she's not bad in that at all um but that was just like oh yeah so it seems like she only makes bad movies then i saw super bad which i thought was funny as fuck but that's the only movie that i've seen with her in it that i've like really liked um so she kind of annoys me which is probably just probably not good like there's no real reason for it um but it's the truth (laughs) yeah um so i can't think of anything else from this year that was like major so do you think we should just wrap this up now and like pick our movies for next week or next month sorry yeah sure okay so i'm gonna open up a so for all you cool cats and kittens listening at home oh wait sorry can i say one more thing yes uh because there is something i watched i don't know if this counts as a movie because okay the beatles get back i have not seen that yet it's on my list it was originally going to be a movie Mm -hmm. and then because of the pandemic they got much more time to edit it and so it turned into like a nine eight or nine hour long uh thing uh, like big hunk of live footage that was divided into three parts so right. it's kind of a tv show kind of a movie here's the thing i am a lifelong beatles fan and this movie is basically for for anyone who doesn't know in 1969 the beatles got this documentary crew to just watch them try to put together an album and a live show and this resulted in a movie called let it be that kind of showed the band falling apart and like fighting and being really like just not on good terms and it ends in this epic this is the way they broke up their band they were the most popular band in the world and they broke up by going on the rooftop in the middle of london and playing an unannounced show that got canceled no that got canceled by the police they made them stop because it was too loud and that's baller for that to be your last public appearance that is yeah. fucking baller but so there's that movie let it be which i love but it's like sad it's so it's like so depressing and there was just so much unused footage because they had like days and days of footage so peter jackson comes in and says i want to take a look at all this footage and make a much longer documentary that shows the good parts too and that's what get back is and it's just it's just live footage and it's just them like in the studio um working together and it shows them being happy and them being sad and like i don't know it was really touching for me there was like one point where george briefly quit the band and the next day john doesn't show up for practice and so paul mccartney just like starts crying and he's like oh and then there were two and it was just so touching for me um that definitely if that counts as a movie that was my favorite of the year and i haven't even finished it i've watched the first two parts it's so long that i haven't finished it also i can only watch it at my mom's house so i can't you know but that i think was beautiful 
Okay, so um, I'm just pulling up um, my random adjective generator for all you cool cats and kittens at home. Uh, this is how we are going to determine our film for next week. So I'm going to generate a random adjective, and then we will use that adjective to pick what movie we recommend for the next week. So I'm pulling it up right now, and our word is trippy. Okay, I already have my pick. Yeah, I do too. Uh, what's yours? Okay, I am picking Tommy from 1975, directed by Ken Russell, which is All an right. adaptation of a, a rock opera by The Who. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go with The Green Knight. I already said I want to talk about this, and it is a weird-ass film. Um, it's it's pretty bonkers. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, like... You know Stefan from SNL? Uh, no. Oh, it's like this Bill Hader character. He, like, pitches clubs to people, and he always goes, like, this club has everything. And I'm just imagining him pitching the Green Knight and being like, this movie has everything. Semen, talking foxes, gay makeout sessions, people getting their heads chopped off. Like, it's mm -hmm. bananas. Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll watch it in the next month. And I will watch Tommy, and then we will reconvene next month. Okay, see ya. Alrighty. Bye-bye.